I saw the original Star Wars movie when I was about seven years old. There was a making of that was on NBC. And they, they showed the behind the scenes and they showed the, the Millennium Falcon on a blue stick. And I went, wait a minute. That was it. I, I knew from that moment watching that one TV show, that one one hour of my, my life changed everything from then on. Welcome to the Access VFX podcast. Pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Welcome to season two, episode 12 of the Access VFX podcast. On each episode of the pod, we interview a different member of the VFX animation and games community and ask them a range of questions from the AVFX vault. Every week, we invite talented folks from the world of visual effects animation and games, including heavyweights and those just getting started in the industry, and ask them about their journey from humble beginnings, big breaks and learnings, through to shamelessly mining their brains for career advice, and their thoughts on how we can create a more inclusive and diverse creative community. For our 12th episode, I had a fantastic chat with VFX supervisor, currently at Goodbye Kansas, Jason Halverson. This could be our nerdiest episode yet. There is a lot of Star Wars chat. It's not every day you speak to someone who has their own Star Wars figure. Also, I apologise for my Mandalorian spoiler in advance. There's some great advice in this one. Of course, we hear about Jason's experiences working on Matrix sequels, Star Wars prequels, and his love of invisible VFX. But we also hear about the importance of working with great teams, the joy of problem solving, and how not to be put off by the tech. We recorded this on Zoom earlier this week, And we could have easily filled an episode just on our shared love for Robocop. The original, by the way. I love that movie. Anyway, enough from me. We very much hope you enjoy episode 12 of the Access VFX podcast. Hello and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode 12. It's me, Simon, and I'm joined today by a seasoned compositor and now VFX supervisor, someone who has worked with some of the biggest studios and on the biggest shows. We're talking about the Matrix sequels, Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows Part One, Guardians, Train Spotting 2, Three Billboards, Fighting with My Family, The Jungle Book, Pacific Rim, For the Dark World, Ghost Stories, Constantine, which is one of my personal favourites, which I'm sure we'll get into later in the pod. And let's throw in a couple of Star Wars prequels for good measure, of course. There are loads. Please go and check out his IMDb. Studio-wise, we're talking ILM, Sony Pictures Imageworks, Union VFX, Territory, Tippett Studio, DNEG, MPC, Method, ESC Entertainment. There are also lots. Currently smashing it as a VFX soup at Goodbye Kansas. It's Jason Halverson. I should also note, before we get into our our early chat, is uh, this is a double welcome because Goodbye Kansas, Kansas recently came on board as a brand new shiny member of Access VFX. So uh, welcome back. How are Excellent. you? Yeah, I'm good. Good. See you yeah. again. You too, you too. So uh, behind the scenes, uh, we've been trying to get this in the diary for a while, haven't we, Jason? I know you're a very, very busy man. We have, yeah, yeah. The the perils of working with an American client and trying to uh, to end your day at a reasonable hour <laughs> London time. <laughs> we, we love our American clients. Yes, we do. Well, it's good to have you on, Jason. I assume you're not allowed to talk about what you're working on. This tends to be the case on these uh, these podcasts. Yeah, wish I could. That's all right. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring you back. We'll bring you back. Coming to coming to Netflix and and Apple TV to you soon. Yeah. 
There we go. There's a teaser. Thank you for that. We'll, uh, we'll check it out later, see if we have to edit it out. You can edit that out at some point. It's good to have you on, Jason. It's episode 12, and we've spoken to a lot, a, a wide range of people. And those are those listeners, and, and for you, Jason, as well, on the pod, we opened the, the, the famous or infamous Access VFX vault, where we ask everyone the same set of questions. And we bring in a range of folk from those entering industry, getting their kind of first break and hearing their perspective and speaking to people like yourself, Jason, who I absolutely consider a, a heavyweight, somebody who we can learn a lot from. And I know we originally met back in the day when you were at Union and uh, our work, I would say one of the OG members of Access VFX. And I never really gave your, 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 your career as much credit as I did earlier in that massively long intro. I mean, there are so many shows on there. I mean, what a yeah. what what a roll call! I think I'm at like 50 titles now, something like that. So it's it's yeah, it's kind of overwhelming when I when I look at it and uh, just realize how long I have been doing this. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, how long? I mean, years wise, how how long are we talking? I didn't look at the years on the films. I mean, you could probably work it out. Yeah, it's from, been uh, over 20. I've, I've been in computer graphics and commercials and things like that before that. So it's mm. well, I've been since college, so 35 years, 36 years. Brilliant. So you're very welcome to the podcast. And I think there's a lot our audience can learn from this, this short hour in their, their ear holes. My meandering career through all the different things I've done. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's one of the big themes across these podcasts is that I'm learning that everyone's career is a me. Meander does it a disservice. I like to use the term like career snake. They move around yeah. you into industry thinking you're going to be one thing and then something comes along or an opportunity comes along and then you find yourself in a completely different discipline role working on some crazy show in the middle of the you know somewhere in the world and i think yeah. that's that's the beauty of, of of this in many industries but particularly this industry absolutely so i think we should open the vault what do you reckon all right okay sure. so yeah, we're gonna open it. the vault cue the the rusty vault sound effect and we're gonna kick off with Number one, which is where in the world are you, Jason, and where did you grow up? So tell us a bit about your formative years. I currently live in London, UK, and I grew up in a tiny little town in central Minnesota in the US called Cold Spring. Okay. I think we were at 2,500 people when I lived there, and it's only up to about 4,000 now. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's a very small little Progress. town. I dreamed, yeah, dream big, and, and yeah, and moved, moved around since then to work in, in movies. Amazing. I mean, classic small town boy made it mm -hmm. made it big. I mean, how does that how does that happen? I mean, we're going to get into you know the the career journey throughout the uh, the podcast, but you know how how does that happen? How does somebody work on you know, have the career you know, you've had coming from such a small town in the middle of central? Yeah, it was you know it's a common story. It was I saw Star Wars, the original Star Wars movie, when I was about seven years old. And the summer after that, there was a making of that was on NBC. And they, they showed the behind the scenes and they showed the, the Millennium Falcon on a blue stick. And I went, wait a minute, the people, people made this? This isn't just filming spaceships in space? Because, you know, as a seven-year-old kid, you kind of just believe it all. Mm -hmm. And that was it. That was it. I, I knew from that moment, watching that one TV show, that one one hour of my, my life changed everything from then on. That's amazing. But you do hear that a lot. I mean, that's classic. I mean, mostly practical effects back in the day, wasn't it? It was really intricate models and, you know, inspired by, you know, almost, you know, the stop motion of its you know, previous years. And I mean, yeah, it, it's that it, moment when you get curious and you wonder how the heck they did it, you know, and you wonder yeah. what it was that, that, you know, that they, how they put this on screen nowadays, of course it's computers, but you know, mm. if you, if you, 
unfortunately there's not a lot of making out of computer graphics they always tend to focus on the practical effects hmm. but it's less sexy i suppose to make tv shows out of that but yeah it's, it's that when you dig in and you get curious and you find out and that, and that was what it was for me is i really really wanted to know what the heck this star wars thing was and how they made it and and i was blown away do you think that's a, a DNA thing when it comes to people who work in visual effects and animation, almost wanting to pull the thing apart and see how it works? Because curiosity has been a bit of a theme on these, these episodes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's true of any, anything creative, whether it be mm. like an a creative engineering type personality or, or someone who paints and, and, and you know, sculpts and things like that to, to technical stuff like we do in visual mm. effects. It's, there's something about it that just grabs you and you just go, wait a minute, I think I could do that. Or I see something in myself in there, you know, yeah. and, uh, and it doesn't matter what kind of creative industry it's, there's something that grabs you at, at some age. And it can be, it can be, you know, when you're older as well, but I think a lot of kids, you know, just need exposure to things. And that's what access the effects is one of the things that uh, access the effects can help with, you know? Yeah, it's true. And it is that behind the curtain thing, isn't it? It goes way back. I remember watching those making ofs. I mean, I remember watching like a making of Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's been fascinated with anything behind the scenes. And, you know, forget about the special effects. It was just about, you know, people, you know, people having lots of takes. Like it took me about four takes to get our intro right today. You know, it's like you know, all, the, all the stuff that goes on was fascinating and that still happens today i mean yeah it's mostly digital but it's still i think it's still as fascinating how you it can is. create something so believable i mean there's there's degrees of quality depending on what you you go to watch and we've had a lot of conversations on on the pod around um how the narrative needs to draw you in it's not just mm -hmm. about the the visual effects there is a marriage made in heaven you know mm -hmm. and i think uh yeah that's uh yeah again that curiosity that that wants to problem solve is, is a key part of that once you you get that glimpse behind the curtain Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and it's something that I definitely was, I got from my father who was a very handy man, but he was also very artistic and mm -hmm. he, he, he worked with materials that, you know, I got exposed to at a very young age and learned how, you know, to look at things from different angles, you know, the, how you approach working with wood as opposed to how you work, approach working with metal or, or paint or anything. And I think that's kind of a basis for how I approach problem solving i look at it from very different angles and i find that that's one of the strengths i have as, as a problem solver is that I, I try to throw all kinds of different ideas in, into the mix to, to find the right solution you know it's almost uh, i've been having a few conversations with folk at the moment about the nature of because I, I, my, my bread and butter is like learning and development and the idea that when you're an artist particularly in the visual effects industry the training tends to be quite you know click here click there drag and drop this you know there's a lot of technical step by step and there's, often there's not enough time to step back and reflect on the learning, which leads to more innovation and more problem solving and more different ways of doing things. You can apply that to any walk, walk of life, like your dad being, you know, working with, with, with material, you know, with wood yeah. and still Absolutely. just taking that step back. I mean, it's a very easy thing just to riff on, but when you really think about it, it applies to most industries, but particularly to the conversation Absolutely. we're having now. Yeah, Amazing. absolutely. It, it's a creative industry. And that's the key thing that I think anyone who, who's curious about or wants to get into it has to realize that, yeah, there's a technical aspect. And a lot of people get excited about getting into the technical side and opening up, you know, Maya and Nuke and stuff mm -hmm. like that and, and, and playing around. But you need a creative aspect, too. I mean, there's it's we're constantly faced with creative challenges having to, you know, we get told in a, by this, you know, the script or by this, the director or supervisor that it needs to feel like this, you know, feel like that, that, that. And if you don't get that feeling and you don't get what they're talking about and understand how to express that feeling in a visual way, because obviously we're a visual medium, 
you might think of a sound effect, but that doesn't help us. You know, you have to think yeah. of how to how to put that into into a visual uh, representation, and that's really key. And you can't. It, it's never just once. It's always, you know, you can do it three times, four times, five times. You need multiple ideas. So so you need that breadth of creative inspiration to come out to to really succeed at, at any of the any jobs in our in our industry really yeah it's a really great way to put it isn't it it's, again it talk, i'm using lots of marriage metaphors i don't know what that means but uh, <laughs> yeah the marriage of the technical and the creative um, yeah well it is it's, it's our job it really is do you think uh, going back to kind of the roots in and, and the work we do as access vfx do you think the the tech side is quite daunting to the next generation coming up. And, you know, I mean, you look at something that's, you know, a big, a big blockbuster film and it's just insane. The amount of craft and artistry that's gone into that scene or that shot. Do you think that's off-putting sometimes? Yeah. I mean, I imagine it's like, you know, if you imagine you're looking at a car and thinking, how am I supposed to design a car? It's just me, you know, and what you don't realize until you do some research or, or, you know, look into the industry, you, you realize that there's a lot of people involved. And that your aspect will be one part of it, the mm-hmm. thing that you contribute to. And you can't look at the mountain as if it's something you have to move by yourself. It's a mountain mm-hmm. that you move with the team. And and you should never be afraid of the mountain, really. You should just be afraid of how big your team is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you don't have enough people, it's going to take an awful long time to move that mountain. <laughs> I love that. Never be afraid of the mountain. So that's a great quote. We'll put that as <laughs> the, uh, the headline on the podcast episode. <laughs> but yeah, it's just something I've been thinking about a lot because it can. But yeah, I think my advice to anybody would be just stay back and watch the credits and you'll just get a sense of the amount of people that works on it from a, a vfx point of view yeah absolutely I, yeah. I do this on every podcast i spend too long on the first question and then we end up hurtling <laughs> through the last few so i'm going to move on to question right. two which Sounds is good. what three words describe jason halverson yeah how you boil that down what popped in my head was nerdy fun and passionate i love that great I'm a very silly person by nature and I like to keep things light. I like to work in that way and, and inspire people to be casual and, and have fun with their jobs. Cause it is, you know, it is tough. It's a job. Work is a four letter word as Morrissey famously <laughs> said, and it's uh it's a lot of work. So it's, if you don't make it fun, if you don't make it something that everyone can enjoy that you get through their day, uh, you know, you're just, you're not contributing. I don't think. And it should be fun. Right. I mean, it's, Absolutely. it's amazing what all of the studios churn out. Yeah, work-wise, yeah. you know, content. We're so wise. lucky to be able to do this. It's amazing. You know, it's, yeah. it's such a it's such a, a great thing that that when you do get into it and you get get to make images that that you get to look at your work and share it with your family and friends mm-hmm. and things and go to movie theaters and watch them on TV and and it's it's really special. And so if it isn't special getting there, then you're not going to you know want to share it. You're not going to want to brag about mm-hmm. it. You know, if it's if it's a slog and painful and 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 hurts your uh, life and your live life worth like life work balance then you wouldn't want to share it with people, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. And that fun, I mean, when you work with such, we go back, went back to the size of a lot of teams. It's got to be a, a fun ride. Otherwise, you know, it's a pretty, pretty grim experience for everybody involved. You make some great friends along the way. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And is the, is the nerdy part more the, you know, what got you in or just your... Oh, yeah. Your, your and why, of, why I'm in. Yeah. 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 Just love it's. it's science fiction it's it's working with computers it's you know loving databases and spreadsheets you know it's it's all that kind of stuff because that's all part of our job you know amazing well you know i draw the line at loving spreadsheets but you know each, each to their own jason i love it i love a good spreadsheet, love man. Me a spreadsheet. Love a good spreadsheet i do i do <laughs> sit on a lot of spreadsheets but yeah i'd be lying if i said i love it. <laughs> I, yeah i don't i don't uh, envy you on that 
I know, fun times, fun times. Okay, well, let's move on then. So nerdy, fun and passionate. I think we'll, uh, we'll keep referring back to that. But on that subject, particularly around passion, is what inspires you? You know, what I, I keep saying to all our guests, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What's the stuff that gets you, gets you going? Well, really, it's, it's excellent VFX married with, with excellent storytelling, you know? And, and it doesn't, and by, by excellent visual effects, I don't mean big. I mean, excellent visual effects that just take you away. Yeah. That even as a visual effects artist, you don't watch the visual effects, you just enjoy them. And, you know, it's it big, big doesn't mean good. It, good means good, you know, so it has to be quality. It has to be something that just fits mm -hmm. perfectly and, and takes you, takes you into the storytelling. Yeah, that's correct answer for sure. That it's what we talk about a lot. Something that yeah. I'm really passionate about is, and a question I ask a lot of our guests, actually, particularly those who work on, on the box and on, on the craft side is, you know, do you not pick holes in the work when you go to the movies, but do you, do you analyze it? And a, a lot of the answer is exactly what you've just given us already unsolicited, which is if it draws you in, then they've done a great job, whether it's, you know, your big whiz bang explosions, monsters and aliens, or whether it is just a beautiful, you know, beautifully lit shot. And that's been, yeah. some great work done to it, whether you don't notice any real visual effects, it just looks beautiful and it draws you in and yeah. it goes back to script and performance and the whole package. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the invisible effects too. I mean, I've mm -hmm. been doing that now for several years and love that stuff. It's just when you don't even know that something's been done, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think we, people often, you know, we've had a few guests that talk a lot about kind of, I think we had Richard talking about coloring in monsters and, you know, there's a lot of big, you know, movies and you've done quite your fair share of those too. Yeah. But yeah, I'm always interested, particularly, I remember, obviously I got to know you when you were at Union. I remember the output from Union was all, you know, it was period drama and it was, you know, it wasn't, massive spaceships and you know big yeah. old uh, set pieces it was just beautifully crafted work which uh and it goes back to the variety of what you could be working on working in this industry which is another another subject i'm sure we'll get into absolutely people shouldn't get the impression that it's all marvel movies and star mm -hmm. wars movies it's not at all it's it's you know dramas like the crown you know which is exactly. which yeah. is making sets look look like the real locations when they're actually just you know cardboard and plaster and paint yeah exactly and you think about any period piece i mean it's like the uh the, the last night in soho and you know just creating the 60s just seamlessly yeah, you don't, yeah it's yeah i'm a sucker for anything that has attention to detail the older <laughs> i get the more nostalgic i get anything that, right yeah. yeah it's true yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> love that love that so excellent vfx twinned with beautifully I mean, i'm not gonna say married again otherwise it's just gonna become like some <laughs> i know i use that podcast. on you sorry <laughs> <laughs> you tricked me again um so talking about Calling in aliens and monsters <laughs> i'd like you to explain what you do for a living to an alien so there's a knock on the door and there they are the little green men or women and <laughs> they want to know what you do yeah make pictures make i make pictures better for people who are pretending not to be people that they aren't really <laughs> no, <that works>. <laughs> <laughs> clumsy but yeah and they might have some questions but i think they'll they'll get it there might be a follow-up <laughs> a few probing questions yeah yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, we've had uh, some interesting ones where uh, we try and break down digital and the internet and, you know, all kinds of, uh, yeah, modern day movements. But again, you know, these intelligent beings, I'm sure they'll they'll work it out. Yeah. I like that, Jess. I like pic Pixel Wrangler is good. That's a good one. I like oh, that Pixel one Wrangler. Yeah. That's Pushing a, pixels. That's a LinkedIn headline slash business card right there, yeah, I think. Exactly. Exactly. 
So we're getting into the section of the pod where we get into, you know, what you wanted to be when you grew up and those early career aspirations, Jason. So this could be pre watching Star Wars for the first time or or post, but what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a kid? I, you know, I didn't know at first, obviously when I was seven, I didn't know what the jobs were yet, but then I think it was Empire that came out. Yeah, it was Empire. When I saw Phil Tippett pop up out of the snowy plains of Hoth, and put his hands on a tiny Adat walker and move it ever so slightly, I understood then what a stop motion animator was. And that was it. That was, you know, that was the thing that I thought, well, I've got to do that. I've got to be able to move ships and creatures and stuff around for, you know, films like Star Wars. And I need to, I need to work with Phil. And I, and I eventually did. Amazing. Uh, yeah. So I got to work with him at his studio in, in California. And that was incredible. Absolutely incredible experience. God, that is a proper pinch yourself moment, isn't it? To have that it ambition was. so early on. Especially walking in from an interview. Scared, scared the pants off me. I uh, walked into the front door and the front doors are mirrored so you can't see in. And when the door opened, they buzzed me in and I walked in and behind the receptionist was the T-1000 from, term, from, uh, from Robocop. <laughs> and his guns were pointed directly at me. <laughs> it was Sorry. one of Phil's jokes that they had this life-size you know, T-1000 behind her and it was, it was you know, aiming directly at whoever walked in. Yeah. So I kind of jumped. <laughs> I think that was his, that was his little joke to get everyone that came in for the first time. For all the nerds out there, the present company included, because I, I, Robocop, I would say is in my top five, if not one of my favorite oh, well. films. It's just, it's a pen. and again, that's what a great example of, I'm not going to take over the podcast, but it's just a great example of the original, by the way, not the remake. Just, brilliant story so fun you can forgive some of the obvious stop motion because yeah. it's just such a great fun ride you know yeah yeah right it really is a ride Absolutely. But i love what you've said there i mean we've again sorry to kind of compare this to previous conversations we've had on the podcast but it's that idea of kind of not necessarily visioning but you know saying i when we had larabe on the last podcast and, and she was talking about a love for christopher nolan movies and then she got to work on tenant knowing that one day she would work with christopher nolan when she started and just i can't imagine what that must feel as somebody who doesn't work on you know as a you know vfx artist or producer or you know, a level in the industry but mm. that must have been insane to have that ambition from so early on to be working yeah. a star wars movie yeah and are the, are the rumors true that there's a, a action figure a star wars figurine of, of jason Halverson yeah in the world do you tell yeah i did i actually i'm actually in episode three Star Wars twice. I'm in there twice. No I'm in the uh, the funeral scene where Padme has died and she's being carried in the in the, the open casket thing, and I'm actually standing at the side mourning her loss in a in a giant green beret and green tunic. No way. Me me and all the other island employees that got to play extras in that scene. That's so everyone exit. along the yeah everyone along the procession there they're all for, they're all the island employees, but that was. But the fun part was I, I also got to play this character, Mina Tills, who is a senator from the planet Mun Calamari, which is where the famous Admiral Akbar is from. Yes. And he's famously the one in Jedi that says, it's a drop. It's a drop. So I got to put on that helmet, that, that, that face piece. And I got to, to play him because I had a very, I have a rather large head and I couldn't fit the smaller model they had. <laughs> so I had to put on one of the background ones that they had for Admiral Akbar. And it was, yeah, I, I, I will admit that while I was on set standing there with this mask on, I was thinking back of being seven years old and watching the, the hair dryers being stuck in, stuck in the latex mouths and 
running running cool air through the mask because I was standing there sweating and I had a little cry to myself because it was it was the moment the seven year old me had waited for you know for twenty some odd years or thirty years or whatever it was at that point. That's um, amazing. Yeah. What yeah. a beautiful story. Yeah, yeah it's so cool. And then yeah. they made an action figure out of that character. So so I actually have an action figure of me. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Do you still have it somewhere? I look like an ugly fish. Yeah, I do. I don't have it up here right now. It's not it's That's down right. on the shelf downstairs. Only so I have signed autographs for people, which is pretty funny. So cool. <laughs> we, should, we should just end the podcast now. I might just close the vault now. <laughs> with peaks. It's a good part. It's a good party story to tell. I get a lot of attention on it. Oh, so great. Well, I, straight after, I'm going to dig out my, my episode three DVD and uh, see if I can find you. I'm right at the beginning. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put the uh, the timestamp in the uh, the show notes so people can go and check yeah, it out. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, I, yeah, I can't I can't top any of that. There's no more no more additional questions. So let's move into education and what made you choose the the college university that you ended up going to to pursue your dreams to work with uh, Phil Tippett. I yeah, I applied to uh, two schools. I applied to the Academy of Art College which is now the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. And I, I was accepted. And I also applied to San Francisco State University and had, <laughs> the difference in price was, was pretty extreme. And so my parents agreed that they would pay for my college if I was able to, uh, to go to San Francisco State. So I looked into the program and they had a very good independent filmmaker program. Their, their focus was on independent filmmakers. And so they taught everything rather than studio kind of studio system filmmakers and among that was a very wonderful animation program run by pat amblin who is a you know well-regarded independent animator and she taught the actual animation so we did stop motion we did cell animation we did rudimentary early computer animation because back then it was just pretty much the amiga and, and lightwave i believe it was and yeah and and we could do you know found items and we could do all kinds of different stuff and we got to experiment and she did a round robin program where we tried all kinds of different animation styles and we had to do a little bit of each and and that was really really good it was a really great program i was and in the end it was a much better choice for me because the the connections that i made there and the friends and the and the uh, working within the, the film and tv department there was just great it, it gave me a background in, in some screenwriting and i learned a bit about directing and about stage direction and about you know props and all that kind of stuff. So it was a really, really great program, and I'm really, really glad I went there. Got to, like really got to take on. classes yeah. from Kasdan and and uh, and Trinman uh, wow. Ha and some pretty amazing filmmakers. And you work with an Amiga because I used to have an Amiga. That's my home computer. Yeah. This was when computers were just starting yeah. to be used for doing uh, motion, yeah, motion animation and stuff like that. And so I had to actually create my own program. I they were there were no schools where you could learn computer graphic animation and stuff yet. It was it was all kind of done on the job. It was like PDI. And so I created my own. I built a very expensive Macintosh out of student loans and stuff. And I bought, I can't remember what it was now, like Cinema 4D or something like that, I think it was. And I started making my own animations in my dorm room back then and trying to keep my very expensive computer locked in my dorm room and safe <laughs> from other people trying to write their term papers and things on it. <laughs> I was going to say, they kind of, yeah, there weren't, they weren't a lot around when we were coming up. So it was very expensive too, for a student to be buying that, that kind of thing, but it, uh, it was great. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So moving on from university into the big break. So, you know, what would, what do you consider your, your big break in industry, Jason? What was the, what's the big moment do you think? For just getting me into into graphics animation in general, it was I took a tour with this animation program. I took a tour of Colossal Pictures, 
And Colossal Pictures was the second largest animation studio in America outside of Disney. And they were responsible for all that early MTV stuff. So like the MTV logo animations, the very first launch day with the rocket taking yeah, off. And got well. The man planting the flag, that was all done by Colossal. Mm-hmm. And so I got to work with some real legends of commercial advertising and, and animation. And it was really, really fun working on Sega and Nabisco, you know, wheat thins and Oreo cookies dancing, you know, stop motion Oreo cookies dancing like top hats and crazy stuff like that. And that was, I wound up taking a job because I met somebody in, in what they called the Mac department there, which was just the department that grabbed anything else that was kind of computer graphics related. And Photoshop was, was brand new back then. And After Effects had, was in beta. So I got, to, I beta tested After Effects before it was available to the public. Did, did a piece for MTV called uh, Las Apasionadas for Liquid Television, the animation show that they used to do. And yeah, so that was kind of my, that was my moment of getting into TV and, 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 and graphics for TV. Yeah, that's good. Really, again, a great grounding. You know, I mean, I'm yeah. already blown away that you had like Kazdan at, you know, as one of your speakers at college and, you know, all these, again, that Star Wars theme kind of, running through yeah. your, your formative kind of education <laughs> and then and then working yeah. at Colossal on, on, you know, those iconic kind of idents that I remember watching as a, as a youngster, I was young, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's amazing. Really cool. Okay. So that was the big break. So now I guess we're getting into the, I always call this the geeky section and as you're a self-proclaimed nerd, you might well enjoy this. So what was, what's been your favorite job show or project? You know, what's been the one you enjoyed working on the most? That's a tough one. Yeah, it's really tough to nail that one down. I've worked with some amazing people, and so it's hard to pick a company or a project. Boy, I'd have to say, though, that ESC, working at ESC on the Matrix sequels, yeah. that was, yeah, that was huge. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. And that's why I shouted out ESC in the, uh, in the intro, because, yeah, <laughs> it's just uh, very cool that he works on those movies. Yeah, that was... That was to this day. I still have friends from that job, and that was you know that was back two thousand two, two thousand two ish. Yeah, two thousand one and two. Yeah, the release films came out in two thousand three. So yeah, it was yeah long time, and and they're still really close friends of mine. A lot of them are supervisors in the industry now, and you know gone on to bigger and better things. And yeah, it's great. What made the experience so special for you? It was was, (laughs) to quote uh, to quote a famous line was our nom. It was, it was brutal. You weren't there, man. Yeah, you weren't there, man. You wouldn't know. It was brutal. We did, my team did 94 days straight, working 94 days straight to finish Reloaded. I was on the Zeus team, which was the stuff in the real world. And then there was the humans team, which did the stuff that was inside the matrix. And I think seemed to remember them saying they worked about 153 days in a row without a break. And so it was, it was an absolute marathon. So we ate three meals a day at our desk. We, we, you know, worked 12, 14 hour days, 16 hour days were not uncommon. Some people slept there and then would watch renders and, and it was, it was an absolute slog, but it brought us all together and it gave us all a real sense of camaraderie and a sense of, you know, uh, team building and a sense of purpose to, to mm-hmm. realize these amazing films. And yeah, I'll never forget it because it was so, because we got crazy. I mean, it was, you know, you worked that many hours and you get silly and, you know, we would scoot around. We had, we had little sc- scooters in the office because we had uh, polished floors. It was on a former army base. And so we would just fly to meetings mm-hmm. in these scooters and there'd be a pile of scooters outside your meeting and you'd go pick it back up and your meeting was done and scoot back to your office. And, and yeah, just everything about it was so unique and so special. And we, and we, 
we worked next door to where they filmed the bigotures. So it was the Zion Gate and, uh, and the Nebuchadnezzar crashing through that door and uh, stuff like that. That was all done right next door. So I got to go over and see see the the models and the the damage that was done after the fact and <laughs> and so things like that just made it an incredible experience. Very cool and comes back to team doesn't it it comes back to working with really great talented fun people that make make it worthwhile when you are you literally it's your norm you're working up against it long hours tough deadlines but everybody kind of sticking together and that camaraderie that you you only get on set yeah and on the box that's that's amazing well yeah Yeah. can't can't argue with that (laughs) so on the flip side of that we don't say worst job anymore because it's very negative so we just say what's what was the most challenging job that you remember working on jason yeah of course there's a lot of moments where you you think you know it was awful but i have to say without throwing anyone under under a bus i i was on a project once it was a giant a-list show it was at a company i'd never worked at before it was with people i had never worked with before um and it was on software that i'd never used before and so all the tight deadlines and the high pressure to you know to deliver and to do things to a high standard it was it was intense and it it nearly broke me it was it was just too much i just couldn't handle it and yeah it that didn't go well but i did we did complete the project and it was and then of course the movie kind of bombed (laughs) it didn't really do didn't really do great so that was sort of frustrating, but yeah, that was one of those things that you learn the hard way, you know, don't throw yourself into too many new scenarios, yeah. if too many aspects of the thing are new, then it's probably not going to go well, unless you're the type of person that absolutely thrives on that sort of challenge. But I think that's where I learned that I need something to hold on to. I need to have something familiar and something, you know, as a basis. Do you think it was because into that project? Do you think it was because you you didn't really know the people? Do you think it was the human element rather than the the technical or workflow element, or was it a bit of a combo? Yeah, yeah, because I didn't have anyone. I didn't know any anyone had my back. Right. And so you know, when things got rocky, I didn't always know that they were rocky. And I found out after the fact when I was already in trouble for it, rather than rather than you know, hey, maybe you should pay attention to this thing going on over here or, or fixing that problem or, or you know addressing this problem. And so it was one of those things where I, I was felt very alone, not just socially and, and kind of professionally, but also just in terms of having a support for the software I was on. And, and, you know, I had to drive a long way to get to that particular job. And so it was just everything yeah. about it just became this absolute grueling slog and it was not fun. You almost need those experiences to know what conditions you don't want to work under. And I've never worked like that again. There you go. There you go. We only <laughs> make the mistake once. I, fu- I found the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> you plunge the depths. Yeah. Okay. So bringing it back to something a bit more fun and geeky is, uh, do you have a, a hero in VFX, a VFX hero, somebody who's, yeah, and it can be living or dead or, you know, could be a colleague or, you know, a, a big figure in industry, you know, anybody that stands out. Yeah. I'd have a, well, Ray Harryhausen. Because he, he, you know, practically invented the idea of how to build armatures and create, mm. you know, the creatures and, and, and work with them. And, 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 and sort of as a result of that, one of his fans became, you know, my, my favorite was Phil Tippett. Yeah. Because him and Harryhausen were good friends. And, and I got to have lunch with Harryhausen. No uh, way. Once. Yeah, him and his wife and his, and his business partner. And that was incredible because I was actually named for Jason and the Argonauts. No. Uh, his, 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 yeah. 
So Jason the Golden Fleece. Yeah. So it was, and I got to tell him that story, which is really special. And yeah, so I just got That's to thank great. him for, you know, Clash of the Titans when I was a kid and, and things like that just completely, you know, blew my mind. And so yeah, it was, it was, that was very special. That's what I love about doing this podcast is, you know, I've known you a long, a long time, Jason. I never knew you were named after Jason and the Argonauts. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things you don't really uh, most people don't get down to that do they yeah yeah most i bet i know i'm just going to assume that perhaps your father came up with the eyes because i know my dad was a massive fan of all the harry hauser movies all the sinbad movies all the jason and the argonauts films it's kind of like mm-hmm. a dad thing to i don't know just assuming but you know what they say about yeah Assumption? yeah <laughs> super cool yeah of that generation that's probably a safe bet yeah <laughs> yeah okay i feel the good money's at yeah, that's awesome. And, and, and not the first time uh, Harry Housen's come up on the, the pod. We had uh, Mark oh, yeah. Simon Hewis and from Aldman on episode two, who take great delight knowing that you dinner with the, the great man. So that's, that's incredible. So, Jason of the Argonauts, what is the best VFX shot or piece of animation you've personally ever seen? So you don't have to have worked on it. It's just something that's just like, boom, that is the, that's the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one again my mind is flooded with about 15 different scenes and different shots and across different, different shows. The, the ones that jump out at me um, are, are sort of more recent. I mean, gosh, almost everything in Rogue One was, was pretty, pretty incredible to me because it was hard to tell the scenes between the, the, the puppets, the robots and the visual effects and the, and yeah. the set pieces. And that was, that was one of the more seamless ones, but that's the one that really jumped out to me is episode nine end of episode nine when the star destroyer plunges into exegol mm. after they after they defeat the emperor and the whole thing goes to his and just explodes cascades up the, the the star destroyer as it explodes just my mouth my mouth was literally open while i was watching that scene i just couldn't believe how much was in was going on in there but or, or just like the, the what was it the 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 mountain banshees in avatar when they first get on the back of those yeah, and they go for, yeah. goes for his lesson and he goes flying I'd never, in all of the movies I'd ever seen, I'd never really had a sense of what it's like to fly. And that's the first time I looked at it and went, wow, this is, this must be what it feels like to fly on a, on a back of a bird, you know? That's cool. That's cool. Two, two yeah. very good shouts. It is like picking a favorite child, isn't it? Really? Uh, yeah, I could go question. on. I mean, yeah, I could give you at least a dozen, but I can just think off the top of my head. God, yeah, we could we could spend a whole episode just talking about whole favorite shots, couldn't we? I could spend a whole episode talking about Robocop. I think I should have a Robocop special. Yeah, you should. No, absolutely. Bring it. We're going to get the band back together. So similar question. This is the show that stands out as a VFX or animation masterclass. So what you would consider a pinnacle of the art form. Yeah, um, we're getting a lot of those these days. It's it's because we are reaching that point where when a show has the budget and has the time and has the care done on set for collecting data and things, you can get these shows these days, you know, anything from Ready Player One to, to you know, Godzilla, the new Godzilla or the, the new like King Kong movie that Weta did was just incredible. Absolutely amazing. Uh, one of the f- few times I've ever seen Kong where I really felt like he was as big as he really was, as, he, as he's supposed to be in the movie, you know, you just get a sense of scale like I've never gotten in any, any previous ones. But yeah, episode nine again, there's just so many good mm-hmm. scenes with the tidal waves you know, and the, and the lightsaber battle and waves, integrating real, real splashing waves with these, you know, simulated waves. And yeah, it was just incredible, absolutely incredible work. So these, these shows that, that we're able to do these days, uh, you know, they, but it all takes, it all takes time to, to get that level of stuff, you know. 
but yeah. uh, but then there's also the unsung heroes the 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 un, like we're talking about the invisible effects and there's so many of those these days that like you know and you brought up union there's some, some excellent shows that that we've done at union that that you'd never know that, that people watch those movies and they'll never know they just think they film them in the right location and they just look like that it's perfect and and a slice of time that you know doesn't exist anymore and it doesn't those are all you know matte paintings and, and you know digital replacements and cg environments and things and and that stuff is their, their unsung heroes of, of visual effects yeah i'm glad again i'm glad you've mentioned the the, the invisible effects again because it is even when we wrote these questions down when we originally changed the format of the podcast up I, I was always expecting the big like you say the you know episode nine moment which is amazing and i completely agree with you but it's quite nice it's not always the case and like what we've talked about earlier about uh, the period stuff i mean like some of peaky uh, blue box work on peaky blinders for example just i mean again yeah. just recreating that time and you don't think about you often don't give it enough credit when you're watching it because you're so engaged in the story but they've created that period flawlessly and it can go for any i guess any historical epic or, or tv series but yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah i'm glad you're giving that some air time on this, this episode jason it de- definitely deserves it yeah absolutely yeah and also just name check the star wars movies what i've loved about the the recent movies is they've still got latex masks going on i, I still love that a lot of the alien characters are still folks in suits with rubber masks and i just think that's really yeah. quite charming still in a cool way yeah yeah, you augment it with eyeballs and, and blinking, yeah. you know, eyes and things like that. So that it, it becomes a little bit more alive than just a, a you know, rubber head, you know. Exactly. And I know uh, Frank Oz and the original Yoda have a lot to answer for, I think. Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, not a lot to answer for. We should thank, thank them. Um, yeah. Okay. So moving into character design, what's there as a epic piece of character design for you? A great character realized. Yeah, that's a tough one because you know how do you pick one because they're, they're so diverse in terms of mm. what it could be is it you know is it a dragon because it's very detailed and big is it a you know is it a little creature that was fuzzy and cute i mean some of the stuff in like men in black you know those those creatures in there there's so many you know because they're all making these cameos in the background and everything. but yeah it's hard for me to even pick one i might default to star wars and say you know boba fett or or you know, IG-88 or some of those other bounty hunters, the, the whole whole line of bounty hunters in Empire that are standing there, they're oh, all yeah. just, you know, That's a great super scene. cool. Yeah, I love uh, IG-88 sacrificing himself in The Mandalorian. That was a beautiful piece of, uh, right. of storytelling. <laughs> love it. Yeah, oh, there was a little oh, spoiler bit of alert. Little... Sorry if nobody's watched it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to rewind that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, right, Jason, we're going into the quick fire round now. We're getting into this is the advice mm. stuff and we're getting into, yeah, stuff that our, our audience, particularly those coming up and looking to get into industry, are going to be very interested to hear about. And the first question of this last section is the best piece of advice you've ever received. I would say go with the flow. Wise words, wise words. Yeah, yeah. again, it goes Because there's to, times when we go. over-engineer, you know, we overthink what we're going to do. And sometimes you just have to go with the flow. Yeah, got to be in the moment, right? Don't think about the end yeah. result. Completely agree with you on that. Still think about the end result, but yeah. My favorite question, because I always suffer from this, is the imposter syndrome question. Have you have you ever felt out of your depth or that you feel you're faking it till you make it? Oh, absolutely. All yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's but if you if you don't push through that, if you don't learn how to get over that feeling and just trust yourself, you'll you'll never be able to follow your dreams. You'll never be able to get to 
you know, the bigger things that you want to do in life because you'll let those things will hold you back. You know, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. It's something about just being present in the moment. And, uh, talks a lot about just saying yes to opportunities. It might not be the, what you feel is the preordained career path, but that could lead to something else, to something else, to something else. And before you know it, yeah, you're, you're doing another thing that you never thought you'd love, but you absolutely love, you know, I mean, I wanted to be a freelance illustrator and ended up working in learning and development so you know and i love what i do you know yeah 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 that's all well how was it well well here's a funny story i actually i think i was still finishing school and as i said i was i was determined to be an animator right and so i thought well i have to go i have a friend that was working at tippet studio and he said well we're hiring animators right now if you want to try to apply come over and you know have a chat so he got me an interview with phil and with Craig Hayes, his, one of his supervisors. And I sat there with my little student reel of animation and I tried to show them my stop motion, which was wobbly and, you know, student level. And it wasn't, you know, the film wasn't always registered in the gate because we had to shoot everything on film back then. So it was a little bit streaky and perfect. And it was a very much a thank you very much. And, uh, you know, we'll be in touch kind of thing. And it was an absolute no. It was, there was nothing to, nothing they could see of, of my talent through there. And that was for Starship Troopers. And so I absolutely gaffed it. And I would have been, that would have been my first movie had I, had I walked in with a, you know, stronger reel. And in the end, I wound up coming to work for them on Cats and Dogs years later. Oh, I accepted, I you know, being a, being a compositor. And someone said, you know, give up on this animation thing. You want to be a compositor. And I thought, all right, I'll just go with the flow. And, and I wound up getting there and cats and dogs and i got to work on blade two and evolution oh, for yes. Reitman and stuff like that and so that yeah that was when i was like okay i think i made the right call yeah. awesome yeah no i, I wasn't what i planned blade two <laughs> what, what a film as well blade two i did I almost yeah. name check that as well at the start and i know i see there's an uncredited watchman on your your imdb as well which again is another yeah yeah, just, I mean, again, talk about, if you, as a somebody who claims to be a nerd, I mean, to work on those movies, my God, just, yeah. Absolutely. This could be a very long episode, Jason, I should continue with the line of questioning. <laughs> Got to keep moving, yeah. Exactly, keep moving, keep going with the flow. Okay, so if you could go back in time then, so you love a bit of science fiction, Jason, so what advice would you give your teenage self if you could go back in time? That you have to, you have to express what you want. Sometimes, you know, as much as I, as I like to, follow the go with the flow you also have to say what it is that you that you're after what are your goals what do you want talk to your boss talk to the company you're working for and 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 find out how it is how you're going to get there you know and be just a little bit aggressive about it because if you if you go with the flow too much you'll you'll never get there either you might wander off and you know, get lost and so i wish I'd, i wish i'd been a little bit more assertive and just said here's what i want here's where i want to get how i want to get there and and how do I do that? You know, and yeah, I think that would have been good advice for a teenage me. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's good to have uh, an idea of what you want to do. Yeah. And share it with people. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell people what it is you want to do. You know, they can yeah. help you get there. Yeah, I love that. Assertiveness is a, is definitely a learned a learned behavior, isn't it? It's not something that comes naturally when you're younger, but it's, uh, I, I wish I'd been more assertive growing up as well. I was far too shy for my own good and, you know, I'm denied a lot, a lot of procrastination coming up Yeah, when I was right. a youngster. Yeah, totally. Just, just get it done. Yeah. Be, be a clarity. Okay. So what, this is again, similar, but different question is what do you wish you had known when you were starting out? 
Yeah, everything. I <laughs> wish I'd, uh, I mean, knowing what I know now would have been, yeah, pretty incredible because there's so much technology in our industry and it's changing constantly. I think it took me a while to realize that, that there's a lot of things to keep on top of. I always kind of thought that once you're in filmmaking, it's just kind of done the same all the time. And that was, that was definitely incorrect. And there's, there's a lot of technology, a lot of inventions and a lot of software and hardware and everything's changing. And so if you, if you keep up, at least on it, at least, you know, a little bit about it, you don't have to necessarily master it, but I wish I'd, I'd known that right off the bat. And I could have dug into things when I had opportunities to, instead of just kind of looking at them from a distance and going, oh, okay, now it's kind of neat, but should have just taken the opportunity and said, hey, can you show me that? Can you, you know, walk me through what this means and, and how this is going to change our industry and, you know, and get your, your vision on this kind of thing? Because I've, yeah. I've met some amazing people along the way. And if I'd taken a moment to just pester them just a little bit, you know, I would have learned a lot more earlier, you know. You almost be more curious. You talked about curiosity at the start of the podcast, you know, just really, yeah, ask lots of questions and yeah, because we're quite, and yeah, again, it goes back to that shyness. It's almost you worry that you're bothering people or you, or there's an expectation that you should know it. So you don't ask the silly question or the perceived silly question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to be careful. You know, there's obviously a point at which, you know, you are help, you know, being unproductive, you're not helping the process, but, but uh, there's, there's a time and a place and there's, there's a times that you can interrupt people and you can ask them for their help and, and, and you should be very mindful of that. Yeah. So what show or time in your career did you learn the most and why? So we talked a bit about the, the job where you learned a lot already in terms of, you know, you never want to do that again. That aside, you know, are, are there any other big learnings in your career? My, my first six months working at Colossal Pictures and working on commercials was the most intense because there were days where I worked on three or four different clients' projects. And one would be, inventing a way to do paint mats in Photoshop when Photoshop didn't have layers yet. Mm -hmm. It only had alpha channels. And so I had to, I found that the limit of, of alpha channels back then was 99. <laughs> so I could paint 99 mats and then write, create a quick keys routine that would export them into frames so I could send them to the flame to be done in, in post, things like that. So it was, it was every day was that kind of experiment and an experience of being asked to do something that nobody knew how to do and could I figure something out and that was just intense it was absolutely incredibly intense and it was wonderful yeah because commercial work is always a quick turnaround with the jobs I guess as well so it's a proper sandbox experience I can imagine yeah, yeah. and we were around. all we were all working next to each other in you know in kind of a not a, not a tight space but it was but it was a space where you could all kind of you know communicate with one another and uh, and so we're always throwing ideas around and asking hey can you help me with that so i have an idea here and i overheard that in the meeting you just had and you know i can show you something and you know it was great it was like a collaborative environment that was just in constant constant delivery mode <laughs> yeah exactly what a creative environment to be in as well just like that yeah pro constantly problem solving it's been really exciting yeah, absolutely. So what would you change about the industry, Jason? What would you, yeah, again, it's not a magic wand moment, but anything would you change? Well, I mean, if I did have a magic wand, <laughs> okay. I would, I would, I would say back, you know, a long time ago, we should have created trade unions for all mm -hmm. of our companies to, to collectively collaborate and, and to negotiate with our, with our customers, you know, the big studios. And I would have said that with the, the workers should have had a union so that we could collect to collectively negotiate and work with our studios. 
I think that not doing that, like all the other departments, every other department in film is unionized and has trade unions to protect themselves. We don't, and that's led to all kinds of messes in terms of how things are managed and all that. So that's the, one, that's the thing I would have changed. And that's, you know, I know it's probably too late now because there's people that have tried to do both those things and, and they haven't gotten off the ground for various reasons. So it is a sad truth that here we are now, you know, things we have now to deal with are a result of, of that, you know, not being organized back 40 years ago, 35 years ago. And that's fair. And still on industry, yeah, this is our, I guess, key industry advice question is that one thing we can do as a step towards a more inclusive and diverse industry? I think finding ways to talk to people who don't think of themselves as, as filmmakers, you know, branching out. Like we had that event for Access VFX a few years ago mm -hmm. in, uh, in uh, Birmingham, right? Where we were at the, at the NEC, right? And it yeah. was, there were kids that I talked to that day that walked up and they're going, what's with the Avengers on the screen? And I would explain what we're here for and why we're doing it. And they would say, I don't understand. And I'd say, well, you can do that as a job. Like if you want to have a job making the stuff you're seeing here and, and you can talk to these people here in the booth. And they were just, they still were sort of baffled. Like, I don't, I don't get it. What do you mean by that? And, <laughs> and it's like, it's not just made by, you know, it's not, not just painted out of magic or something this is people's hard labor working on this to make these beautiful images and these entertaining screens and it's it's that kind of thing that that i realized that's how you reach out is that you have to talk to people that maybe had never thought about it before because they may not even know what their talents are they may you know like that kind of event is, is so good because people could the kids were able to walk around and get inspired by you know everything from plumbing and construction to truck driving to visual effects and that was incredible. I was, I was really, really fun Good to talk event. to those kids because I talked to kids that, you know, as diverse as you can imagine, and, and they were blown away. They thought, well, and they took our information and they, you know, they were going to do their research. You could tell they were, they were going to walk away and, and find out more, you know? Yeah, they're great. They're great events. I mean, it was World Skills, wasn't it? The NEC, where there yeah, was 80,000 school kids coming through over, over three days. <laughs> but yeah, an ama was amazing incredible. events. Uh, it was insane. And yeah. and yeah, definitely looking to try to, to do more of that in this new kind of hybrid world we find ourselves in but even yes. as even as our people in our industry i think if if we reach out to families and to family mm. and friends and things if we can talk about what we do you know just in social aspects it doesn't even have to be organized like that you know let yeah. people know that, that this is out there especially young people and just talk to them about it you know yeah yeah i think there's speakers organizations like speakers for schools where you know people from industry can just sign up and just you know go to schools and just show show real you know Mm. NDAs are permitting and yeah. and uh, inspire the next generation but yeah it's, it's a huge thing and uh, yeah it's all, I, I talk a lot around like creative leanings like there's you know, young, young people have so many creative leanings but don't know where to channel them and typically you mentioned parents often even in this day and age creative careers are still looked at as not a proper job and uh, you know yeah, yeah, yeah encouraged to follow more traditional career paths so I think uh, that's a really good answer thank you another correct yeah. answer you're doing well you Four points, I think, Jason, at the end of the podcast. Excellent. Excellent. So the final question, the big one, the career advice question, your golden nugget of advice for anyone trying to get into the industry. What, drop the mic. What you got? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's a crowded market. There's a lot of schools out there and there's a lot of people trying to get in, you know, and they're, now it's a global industry. So you're, you're, you're battling with people from all over the globe that are, that are trying to get into the industry. And the the thing is because i you know as part of my debt duties at, at union were to work as a recruiter 
And I have to say, having that much exposure to, to people's materials and looking at their, their, what they wanted to do and their statements and their reels is there are people that you could tell didn't know what they wanted. They just did things that moved on screen and they kind of did whatever the coursework was and, and they, there was no passion in it. And they tried to do too many things. They tried to do modeling and texturing and comping and, you know, and, and, and storytelling. And then there were the students that showed things that were very focused and they, you could tell that they, they tried other things and they experimented with stuff that was outside, but they also really excelled at something. And it's the things you excel at, excel at that we will draw the attention of a recruiter or of a company and they will look at you for hiring you for that kind of thing for that task whether it be effects or whether it be texture paint or whether it be you know comping and so it's best to show that and use that as sort of your entry card think of it as your your key to unlock the you know the the point of entry into the into the industry and yeah it's yeah that's i think that's really the key i would say that's that's the thing you really want to try to to have something that that will get people's attention and get you get your job yeah so literally not not expecting to be the full package just you know find that one thing you're good at and, and yeah don't that. try to make the whole movie yourself you know do do something and do it really well and especially the, the team collaboration type projects mm-hmm. that i've seen you know when schools do that when they treat it like a studio project yeah. and be very clear and show that you know i did this part of it and that's the kind of thing you'll get you'll get attention for and you'll and you can get a job out of that amazing that's great advice thank you jason so i think we we can officially close the vault. So I'm going to uh, have a creaky door to close until the next episode. <laughs> Jason, that was great. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast. Is there anything you want to plug? I know you're in your current studio, Goodbye Kansas. Is there anything you want to to share or that you're allowed to or anything you want to plug? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, uh, you know, we're recruiting. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> fair. definitely hiring. So yeah, so to take a look, we've got a lot of interesting stuff. It's an interesting company. We do game trailers and we do uh, cinematics for, for games as well as the occasional commercial and TV series and film work. So yeah, it's a, it's a vibrant company and it's uh, it's worth worth checking out if you're interested. Good. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it, Jason. I never know how to close a podcast. It's one thing I'm working <laughs> on. So I'm just going to say... <laughs> Thank you, Jason Halverson. That was amazing. And I'm going to watch uh, a Star Wars film now, or at least find your bit in episode <laughs> episode six. I lose track of my Star Wars numbers. Episode six. That's the episode one, three. isn't it? Episode three, episode of course. Three. God, sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking right. about the, the audio I watched them in. As a, the order, yeah. Officially. Yeah, it's the sixth of, one. Yeah, it's open for debate. <laughs> yeah. Jason, thank you. And uh, see you soon. Take care. Excellent. Thank you. Well, that was episode 12 of the Access VFX podcast. We very much hope you enjoyed it. Never be afraid of the mountain. We're certainly racking up a backlog of great t-shirt slogans for hopefully a new range of Access VFX t-shirts. Before you go, a couple of things. Please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, subscribe, and leave us a review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please get involved with our Foundry-sponsored global e-mentoring program. If you are in the UK, USA, Canada, Australia, or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in the visual effects animation or games industry. Please go to www.accessvfx.org forward slash mentors. That's www.accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and go and change someone's life. Thank you, Jason, for being another awesome guest. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Come join me next week where we once again speak to another amazing human. Mm